0: And I love seeing your faces. I love being with you. Welcome, online community. And I want to thank the leadership of the church for leading so uh, brilliantly while I was out for a couple of months. Um, Just they all stepped up. Yeah, please. They stepped up. faithful. playing poker in church in the south i would be kicked out of church forever what is this called all in how many of you ever played poker all right you can be honest come on no lying in church that is all in i'm all in holding nothing back That is Jesus' call to anyone who wants to follow Him. When people say to me over the years, or I've heard them say, well, Christianity didn't work for me. My question is, were you all in? Because you see, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. God. And what relationship will work if one or both of the parties aren't all in? Right? You stand at the altar and the pastor says to the bride and the groom, do you take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. Right? And that do is an all in, right? I do. Do you take This man to be your lawfully wedded husband. I do halfway. (laughs) Could you imagine if she said that? What would the groom... How humiliating. Is that marriage going to work? No. This is the problem in Christianity today. Is when people come to the Lord... They say, yes, Lord, you can have that much of my heart. And then they wonder why their walk with God sucks. How could any relationship work when you're not all in? Try that at work. You get hired. you're on the interview process. Yes, I do want you to know that I will be there on time sometimes. And I will give you some of my effort. Or try that on a sports team, right? Yeah, well, I'm not going to, you know, throw every pitch with 100% effort. You know what I mean? i got to reserve a little bit. Or how about in the military? When we are not all in, what happens? We've seen historically when our government sends our men and women Into battle without a winning plan or an intention of scorched earth. People's lives are at stake. When we are not all in, when you are not all in with God, it just won't work. Because Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship with the living God. That's why God says this. In the book of Jeremiah, we all know the first part of this verse. We have it on a magnet in our refrigerator, right? We have a bumper sticker. We have it uh, wherever we might have it. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. He wouldn't have to tell us that if we didn't have questions He has to assure us of who he is and what his heart is toward us. This is him saying to us, I do. In those days when you pray, what days when you are in um, trouble, if you know this story, I will listen. Everybody read this last phrase with me because this is not on the magnet on our refrigerator. Say it out loud. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Jesus says it this way. In Luke 14, he says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and said to them, boy, this is a ministry killer right here. Large crowds were following him. And he said to them, now this is when you want to measure your message uh, brilliantly wisely because you don't want to lose followers in the political arena they have speech writers i mean jesus would say things would like like he were you trying to destroy your ministry like the time that jesus had thousands following him And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were so angry because all the people were following Jesus. And he turns around one day, and of course, you know, Peter, he's probably wanting to make, you know, four color posters, put them up all over Jerusalem and the Decapolis, you know, and make sure he has the right sound bites out there and make sure Jesus is looking on fleek, right? I mean, you want to make sure we got to get it, right? And so Jesus turns around and says, well, basically, he preached a message on cannibalism. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be part of me. And everybody started saying, What? What did he just say? I don't understand what he just said. And they're like, Dude, whatever. And they all turned and walked away. The whole congregation, his entire church, walked away. That was it. And Jesus turns around to the last 12 pathetic people that were still with him and says... Do you guys want to go too? Isn't that amazing how Jesus was so centered, so settled, so sure of who he was and what he was called to do, so unmoved by people's movements. That instead of begging the last twelve, please don't leave me, I won't have a ministry left. He says, You guys want to go too? Jesus' call to us is not a soft call. It's not an easy call. It's not a shallow call. It is an all in call. Everybody say all in. All in. Why? Why, why would Jesus say this? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, "If anyone comes to me but loves his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers or sisters, or even his own or her own life, more than me cannot be my follower. Jeez wow are you like you have, are you insecure? I mean, what is it that about you that would require such loyalty, such dedication. Whoever's not willing to carry his cross and follow me cannot be my followers. Why is he saying that? Why is he being so demanding? Talk to me. Why? You cannot serve two masters. Who would the other master be? The enemy? Who else? Yourself. Yourself. Or anyone else? (laughs) You went there. I did not. This poor fool in the back says your wife. No. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Whoever or whatever would be calling you and drawing you away from Jesus. If you are not all in you will not be able to that's why he said you cannot be my disciple not that i don't want you to be my disciple you won't make it the world sin and satan will be too strong for you to resist if you are not all in this is a spiritual battle that we are in God will call and draw you and I with loaves and fish. Now, what I mean by that is the thousands that were following him were following him. Jesus said, because you saw me multiply the loaves and the fish, because I met your needs, because I answered your prayers, because you saw the miracles, you are following me. But now I'm calling you to discipleship. Now I'm calling you to be all in, eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you cannot follow me. And they were like, ah, 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 well, see, that's where the problem comes in. Jesus will call us and draw us by, with loaves and fish. He'll answer your prayers. He'll do miracles. You'll get a prophecy. You'll get a zap. You'll have an encounter. Like, woo, woo, Mufasa. Wow, man, right? But then, then, then he will call you across the line from him being your Savior to him being your Lord. And if you don't cross that line, he can't lead you if you're leading you. He can't lead you if somebody else is leading you or something else is leading you. He can't lead you. So at one point in your walk with Jesus, you have got to move from calling him Savior only to you are my king, you are my Lord, I am all in. When that happens, when you draw that line of the sand and you cross over, talk about the freedom. It's not bondage. But I'll lose my life. Yes, you will. But then you will gain true life, not to mention eternal life. And Jesus said this. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, your friendships, your reputation, your five-year plan, you're going to lose it. It's all going to fall apart anyway. And in the end, you're going to lose your eternal soul. He says, but if you'll lose it for my sake in the gospel, you'll truly find life, eternal life, the life of walking with my Father. And in eternity, you will have eternal life. Then he says this, what is it if you gain the whole world? What if you actually are successful in the world's eyes, but lose your own soul? And he says, what? What, what value can you put on your soul? I remember one time I was young, 20-something, and I was in the gym and, you know, getting ripped. and Because, you know, I want to be all that in a bag of chips when she comes along, right? And so I was driving home from the gym, and the Lord spoke to my heart and says, I don't want you to go to the gym anymore. I was like, what? I'm not listening to that. That's a Satan, right? I'm not listening to that. God would never tell me to stop. Taking care of the temple of the lord right i mean my body is his temple it's got to be on point point. and he just i mean just i kept feeling him say don't go to the gym anymore don't go I ca- finally i i said out loud i was driving home from the gym and i said but they have my money because you know you pay right a year and right? they have my money and he says do you want them to have your soul too Now, I'm not talking about everybody going to the gym has to stop going to the gym, and going to the gym is sinful. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying this is what he said to me. It's like the young rich ruler where Jesus said, give away all your money. He doesn't tell everybody who's rich to give away all their money. He was telling this guy because this guy had a a greed problem, and it was what was hindering him from going all the way with Jesus. He wasn't all in. He was acting like he was all in, but he wasn't, and Jesus knows. So Jesus said, okay, I want you... To give away all your money. And he couldn't do it. And he turned and walked away. And so the Lord said to him, I don't want you to go to the gym anymore. And so I stopped going. And then he called me on a fast. And I remember looking in the mirror, and I looked like I was back in junior high school. I mean, I would stopped working out, and I was fasting, and I was scrawny. And then he spoke to me. He said, John, it's not on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside that matters. Amen. Then he gave it back to me, and I was free to go to the gym. And, but, see, it wasn't, it wasn't vanity anymore. When you are all in, and, the, you, and you obey the Lord because He's Lord of your life, no matter what He calls you to do or not to do, when you are there in that place, Lord, whatever, whatever, these are some of the benefits Your prayers and questions don't need to be answered to keep walking with God. I'm all in. I'm disappointed. Unanswered prayers. I get frustrated. You get depressed, angry, whatever. Just like in a marriage. What? Who said that? Just like in a human relationship. Just like at a job. Things don't always go your way, but you don't quit. Your ability to say no to the people and things trying to pull you back becomes so much easier. See, once you determine what you're going to say yes to, it's a lot easier to say no to other things. Like I've said yes to my wife forever, so I say no to every other girl, right? That's what you do. When I do do weddings, I have them actually say that. This ring, I say, take the ring and say I say yes to you, therefore this ring means I've said no to every other woman or every other man on the planet. Right? When you know what you've said yes to, you know what to say no to. And that would be the people or the things trying to pull you back into the world. And that's the next thing. Your willingness to say yes to what God calls you to becomes much easier. The presence, power, and comfort of God becomes increasingly stronger in your life. The fear of man will evaporate. Your peace will increase and God will use you in remarkable ways. You don't trade for less with God when you are all in. You don't trade down. That's the lie that the enemy will try to tell you. Some of us are like, well, okay, Lord, you can have all right, my marriage. Alright, I'll do what you want me to do there. and uh, my 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 job. Okay, now, my money, we're going to keep that over here. And my five-year plan, well, you know, I'm not sure about that, but my in-laws, all right, we'll put that over here. And this, My children, mm, okay, you can have these two, but I'm going to hold these back here. All right. And that's what we do. And we divide up our heart, don't we? Huh? Okay, do I have any honest Christ followers in here today? Online, anybody? Yeah, that's what we do. This is why we live frustrated lives. This is why, Ah, oh, it's just... All in. Everybody say, all in. That's the key to freedom with God. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was one of the greatest revivalists in the history of the world. I love love this quote. It says, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was a nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. I'm going to read about D.L. Moody real quick. Ties into what we're talking about today He was born in 1837 Into a poverty stricken remote farm In rural Massachusetts to a devout mother And an alcoholic father He dropped out of school in the fourth grade But after God changed his life He inspired students At Cambridge University in England Founded the internationally Known school and church And became famous for conquering Whole cities for Christ As a young man he was in love With money he came to Chicago with the intention of becoming a wealthy businessman, but he was led to faith in Christ by a faithful Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, when he was 17 years old, ended up changing his priorities to live in an austere condition so that more money could go for the spread of the gospel. He began to Sunday school in the poorest, most crime-ridden area in the city. And that needy environment, he discovered that leading children to faith in Christ was more rewarding than making money. He once preferred to teach only children because he was uncomfortable with adults due to his lack of education, but ended up being one of the most persuasive orders of his day. He was one of the most unlikely candidates that God would use so mightily moody held great crusades and passionately preached the gospel newspaper writers were puzzled as to why this man whose bad grammar reflected his fourth grade education could fill great halls with tens of thousands of people night after night nevertheless the front pages of their morning newspapers often carried his sermons delivered the night before isn't that something That's revival, isn't it? When the secular newspapers are carrying his sermons, what was the catalyst? Well, listen, what was the catalyst to Moody's passion and purpose? While he was in England, he heard an evangelist, Henry Varley, say this. The world has yet to see what God can do through a person who is totally yielded to him. And in that moment, Moody said, by the grace of God, I will be that person. It was a sermon he heard preached of all in. The earth has yet to see what God can do with a person that's totally yielded to him. And Moody, with a fourth grade education, said, I will be that person. <laughs> oh, isn't that beautiful? I remember one time I was preaching a message like this about total submission to Christ, to our congregation. And I said, let's all stand at the end of the message. I'll give you that opportunity again at the end of this message. And everybody stood and I said, if you're ready and willing completely yield to the lordship of christ in your life and there was a man who was my next door neighbor he had been in our church for a while and he had uh pain in his right shoulder for like 20 years tried everything steroid shots medications therapy everything wouldn't go away he was standing there and he said he told me later i completely yielded my life to christ See, he's a church-going person, a Christian, reading the Bible. But, see, we have little parts of our hearts that just have not been yet yielded to him, don't we? We're still, that, that war, that will, you know, my will, not yours be done. Oh, no, but name' your will, not mine be done, Ugh, right? And as he, was, as he yielded totally, somebody tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around to see who wanted to get through the aisle, but there was nobody there, but his shoulder was completely healed. yeah woo! you see a lot of times our struggle with God is because we are not yet all in we're expecting all in from him but we're not all in with him When he died, Moody, in 1899, thousands gathered for his funeral, and they were told, though he made no inventions, had no discoveries, though he wrote no poems, he painted no pictures, led no triumphant armies, this unlettered son of a poor woman in New England made an impression on the world that this dying century has seldom seen. See, Moody proved this, family of God. It is not great ability that matters to God, but great availability. You see, in this series that we're in right now, the life of Christ, the life of Jesus, the key to Jesus' success, His influence, His power, His ability to pray a prayer, Father, I know You hear me. I know You always hear me. But so these around here will know that You sent me. Lazarus, come forth! (laughs) Right? Lazarus, being dead for four days, comes out. Where did he get that kind of power, that authority, those results? Jesus was all in. That's why he was able to say this, picking up from last week's message, where Jesus healed a man who was crippled for 38 years, but there was a problem. He did it on the Sabbath. Heal him on Sunday? Cool. Heal him on Friday? Great. We're all for that. But don't heal people on Saturday. It's the wrong day. You can't work on Saturday. It's the Sabbath of rest. You can't give a man rest on the day of rest. We talked about that last week, how legalism completely distorts your understanding, distorts your perception and understanding of the rules that God has given to us for healthy living. The Sabbath was a rule for rest for the human race. And they could not see rest when it was right in front of their face because they were all about the rules rather than the heart behind the rules. That's what legalism does. So Jesus says this, for this reason... We're going to pick up from where we left off last week. The Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, "My Father has been working." Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. He used the word work. That was the very thing that they wanted to kill him for, was he was working on the Sabbath. But you see, he had the heart of God. Therefore, God's definition of work and the religious mind's definition of work were not the same thing. See, this is what happens. We talked about this last week. This is what happens when we live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life. The knowledge of the good and evil is you know all the rules. The knowledge of life explains the rules to you. You see, so they had the law of God, but they didn't have the heart of God. So they couldn't apply the law properly, because the law is supposed to bring life, not death. The law is supposed to bring encouragement, not condemnation. But if you don't have the heart of God, every time I preach, I'll have my notes done, I'll have my outline done, i have my illustrations done, I get on my knees and I say, God, give me your heart for your people. Because one man or woman could preach the same message as another man or woman, And it can be as hard of a message, confrontational, solid truth as can possibly be. If you preach that without the heart of God, it brings death and condemnation. You preach the exact same words, exact same scriptures with the heart of God. It might bring conviction, but that leads to life and liberty and deliverance and freedom and worship. What's the difference? Well, it's the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees. It's the difference between interpreting what the Sabbath is really all about. Jesus says, my father has been working until now, and I've been working. Therefore, the Jews sought to kill him all the more because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said the father, God was his father, making himself equal with God. They thought breaking the Sabbath was the worst thing he could possibly do. But dude, he took it to a whole nother level. they could they could imagine god being the father of their nation but don't call him dad which is exactly what jesus did jesus used the word abba when he talked about his father which is what uh, a baby first word out of a baby's mouth well of course malika wants it to be mama and of course <laughs> john wants it to be dada but and uh, he can be dada yeah <laughs> And he can change his diapers, and he yeah, he got it. Yeah. Say, Dad, Dad. <laughs> Jesus used that that Aramaic word, Abba. They were furious that Jesus could assume that he could have such an intimate relationship with the Father. But you see, it was that word, Father, was the first word out of his mouth when they were persecuting him and they wanted him to answer for his behavior Jesus said my father why is this so important this brings up the most important thing that you will ever have to deal with on the side of heaven it will affect all your relationships The way you live your life, the way you perceive God, the way you perceive yourself, the way you perceive others, the way you behave with others. This one thing would determine all of that. And that is your identity. When Jesus said, my father, everything draws from my father. All his affirmation, all of his self-worth, his assignment, his origin." His destiny all comes from the Father. That's why fathers are so important on earth. Fathers, earthly fathers are supposed to be to the best of their ability reflecting their Father in heaven so that this man's children can relate to the Father in heaven more easily. Be able to connect with them easily because the earthly father is reflecting the heavenly father. That's why it's so damaging when the earthly father is abusive or absent. And I know many of you have experienced that. And not every father is perfect, but God is. God's a perfect father. And Jesus knew his father in heaven. That's why he had no fear of people on earth. He was not able to be pulled pushed manipulated intimidated because he got all of his affirmation from his father you see when we do not have our identity set like jesus did because of his relationship with the father these four questions don't get answered these four questions have plagued the human race ever since the fall in the garden of eden you're dealing with them right now who am i where did i come from why am i here And where am I going when I die? Those four questions have been tried to be answered by every philosopher that's ever been since the fall in the Garden of Eden. Who am I? Where did I come from? That's why Ancestry.com is so popular. Where did I come from? Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going when I die? What's this all about? Jesus had all four of those questions answered, and he answered them for us. But when we don't have them answered, here's what we do. Now follow me. We're going to wrap this up in just a couple of minutes. Here's what we do. We get our identity from what we do. That's what we do. When we don't have our identity settled, we get our identity from what we do. Our possessions, our positions, our accomplishments, our bling, our houses, our cars, our reputation, our social status, right? What we do. And then we decide that what we do determines who we are. I am, what is your name? Professor so-and-so. What is your name? Dr. So-and-so. What is your name? Pastor so-and-so. Isn't that strange that we would say our name is our function? Now, I know culturally, that works in the, in the corporate world, and there's a show of respect there, but you and I both know we put a lot, a little bit too much stock in our titles, don't we? Where's that come from? What's that about? If it's functional, it's one thing. Do you know in the New Testament, the apostles never called themselves the Apostle Paul? Peter never said, introduce him, the Apostle Paul. Oh, no, Apostle Peter. They never did that. In their own writings, they said, Paul, An apostle. See, I, my name is Paul. I know who I am. I'm Paul. I am a servant of Christ. My function is an apostle. I remember one day I was sitting at my desk and I had, you know, when I was on staff at a, a mega church here in San Diego and on my desk was my plaque said Pastor John. And I was sitting there one day and I looked at the plaque on my desk and this actually happened. The word Pastor and John moved apart from each other. It was like a, It was like a little mini vision or something they they separated, and the Lord in that moment he didn 't have to say anything. I realized I had got my identity had gotten convoluted with my function that's that 's why we 're not huge about titles around here. I know some people because you come from a culture we 're calling a pastor by his title is shows respect when other people don't do it, it to you it translates as showing disrespect i would rather us err on the side of not allowing our identities to be enmeshed with our titles but rather our identities being enmeshed with the fact that we're children of god <laughs> amen <laughs> and brothers and sisters in christ So our what we do turns into who I am, and that is because we don't know whose I am. Like when we say to a child in second grade, third grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what do we do? We put a function. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a baseball player. It should be, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? Not what do you want to be? You're nothing yet until you do something. That's what that's communicating. What do you want to be when you grow up? And so we struggle our whole lives with our so forth. Jesus didn't have this problem. Jesus did it this way. Jesus started with whose I am, my father. That determines what I am or who I am, the son of God. That determines what I do. Can I hear an amen? amen? Come on. And that needs to be our pattern as well. It begins with whose I am, not what I do, whose I am. I'm a child of God. Well, I'm God's, therefore I'm a child of God. And what do you do? Whatever he says. Amen. People can't handle you if you're going to walk like that, because you're going to be obeying God instead of them. Then Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. You see that radical devotion, complete loyalty, full submission? You might say, Well, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't think I don't want to be what's that about? What's that about? What's that about? What's that about? I don't know if I want to be all in. I don't know about this radical devotion. I don't know about this full submission to God. Why? Ask yourself that question right now. Why? What's going on with that? What's happening inside of you? That would say, uh, you can have a couple of chips, but I'm... Not but you're in church going, hallelujah, hallelujah. About even speak in tongues a little bit. Quote a scripture, but God gets four chips, I get 25. Why? What's going on? What does it take to completely give yourself to another person? One word. I think I heard it. Don't be shy. Yeah, see? Don't be shy on me, right? What's that song, right? Get it out. Trust. Everybody say trust. It takes trust, doesn't it? To completely yield yourself to another human being takes trust. What are we trusting? That he's good. That he's love. To give yourself fully to another human being, you have to trust that they have your best interest in mind. When you say, I do at the altar... You're trusting that person's not going to cheat on you. Which is why it hurts so bad when they do. I trusted you. Right? Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you how you and I can know without a shadow of a doubt, 100% trust God. You know why? Because before you were all in, God was all in. He didn't hold back. He didn't send an angel to die for our sins. He didn't just choose some loser that He didn't really care about anyway. He sent His own Son for you. And Jesus was all in for you. Love isn't known until it's shown. Look at this Scripture. It says, well, no, I'm going to back this up. This is how Jesus was all in. He continues in the verse we're reading in John 5, 20, and he says this. Remember what he said? The son does nothing on his own, but whatever he sees the father do. You know why? Look at this next verse. What does he say? I'll let you read it. What does he say? What's the first phrase? (laughs) <laughs> oh The son can do nothing of himself. Whatever he sees the father do, he does. Whatever he hears the father say, he says. Why? Say it again. For the father loves us. Father loves us. And now I'm going to blow your minds and we're going to close this up. Now I'm going to blow your mind. Do you believe that the father loves the son? how much a little bit a lot i mean really i mean how much does the father god really love his son although as you think you think really you don't think he's holding back any chips on jesus he really loves his son like beyond description i'm telling you you're going to get blasted right now you ready for this look at this last scripture Let's go to the next scripture here. You're not ready for this. No, nope, next one. I am in them, Jesus says, and you are in me. Speaking to his father. This is his priestly prayer in John 17. May they experience such perfect unity, the body of Christ, that the world will know that you sent me and that, oh, say it out loud. What the heck are we talking about right here this morning? I know you're going to say yes to this next question, but come on. Do you really believe that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? (laughs) Because either Jesus was over preaching, right? (laughs) Maybe that's either hyper faith right there, exaggeration, right? Being evangelistic. Instead of evangelistic, what? stretching the truth here a little bit, right? <laughs> that Bella would know, that Josh would know, that John would know, I'm talking about this John back here, not me, I already know, so I'm, that Nick would know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus, so is God ever gonna do you any harm? No. No. Then what is it in you that's causing you to hold back some of your heart? If he really loves you the way he says he does, the way Jesus says he does, what's going on? What are you afraid to give up? What do you think is gonna happen? What is it that you think you're trading down for if you gave your life completely to Jesus, like all in? You have to settle that in your heart or else you're always going to be half-stepping and the world's going to be pulling you this way and Jesus is going to be pulling you this way and you're going to be doing the splits your entire spiritual walk and you're going to wonder why it's really hard rather than, I'm freaking all in, man. And people say, hey, that's good. They say, nope, going this way. Your wife says, hey, let's do this. Nope, Jesus told me to do that. No. Be careful with that one. Be careful with that one. It's got to be really God. Come on, let's all stand. Some of you, this is the answer to your frustrations. It is the answer to why you aren't satisfied in your walk with God. I believe I, the Holy Spirit's telling me something right now. and I'm not going to point you out, but I think I know who it is. There's something, actually it's someone you want, and God's saying no. And I'm telling you, you've got to trust them. You gotta trust them. You gotta trust them. How many of you in here, if you'd be honest, the Lord was calling you to something or to someone or away from something or away from someone, uh, maybe a direction in life or a relationship or something, and you just struggled and you just didn't obey and you did it your way, and then later you found out that God was right and you were wrong you should have obeyed him. Just raise your hand. Come on. (laughs) If you're not raising your hand, come on. (laughs) Right? I mean, we... That independence is the issue. And it's about trust. This morning, God is calling you Be all in. God is speaking to you through this donkey this morning, saying, All in. All in. Don't be afraid. Whether it's your money, your marriage, your friendships, calling your direction your career your future your past forgiving somebody no i won't i'll give you everything but not my bitterness all in man you've got to give him your whole heart and i'm telling you it'll open up heaven over your life Come on, if that's you just raise your hands to the lord we're going to do this all in moment here Tell your fears right now to shut up. Say, you don't get to be a part of this negotiation right now. This is between me and God. Ask the Lord this courageous question. If you are really wanting to be all in, asking this courageous question. Question, what is it that I'm holding back that you want me to give to you? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. ask the Lord say Lord I want to be all in what do you want me to give to you this morning my past my future my bitterness my money my marriage Now, if you truly want to be free, tell God you're all in from this moment forward. It doesn't mean you're going to a thousand church meetings. We're talking about your heart. It begins with your heart. I do. Message was for you. I'm going to ask that you move out from your chairs and come up front as we pray this, as we sing this again, and let's draw that line in the sand and say, "Dude, I am all in." Let's go again.
1: Here's this message is for you. Down. Come on up. And let's let Jesus be Lord
0: of our lives, this
1: is my surrender. not just Savior, this but Lord. Is my surrender.
2: something to me I think it's really really important it's a very strange thing but one of the things we don't surrender to him is false responsibility there's a number of us who have been taken responsibility for something that we've been praying for and wanting maybe it's a healing maybe it's a return prodigal child Uh, Maybe it's an unanswered prayer. We've been taking on ourselves the responsibility for that. Through our prayers and effort, we can see it happen. And yet it's not a responsibility God has given you. So you're carrying something as a responsibility that you have no ability to complete or do because it's only something he can do. And it's now become a stumbling block between you and him but he's saying if you'll recognize this false responsibility and I'll show it I'll show it to you that it's false I'll show it to you you'll see it if you'll surrender and give me that give it back to me because it was my responsibility it was never yours and now it's come between us if you'll give it back to me I'll set you free of that and now you can surrender completely So if that's you, just just put your hand up wherever you are. I want to pray for you. If that's you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay, in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we together say no to the false responsibility that our own sense of, of the law, our own sense of right behavior, our own sense of what ought to happen we took it on ourselves, and we've been making it our cause, but it isn't from Him, and we give it up right now, and we claim, this is a false responsibility. I'm not going to try to do God's job for Him. I give it back to you. Now, just give it back to the Lord. Say, this really wasn't mine. I'm giving it back to you. See yourself do that. There's also sin addiction. Give it over to the Lord,
0: man. Jesus can set you free like that you're not going to trade for less all in whatever it is judgment of God that is upon you until it's removed by you accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross and you'll experience a freedom you've never known before. And that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life right now. I'm turning my life over to you and I'm confessing you as my Savior and my Lord. Now, Lord, I pray your peace spirit rests upon them as they give their life to your son we're going to continue to worship here if you want to continue to worship just stay in this room if you want to come up front and kneel down and give yourself to the lordship of jesus christ you have the freedom to do that and uh if if not you're welcome to go out into the fellowship hall out there and you can chat and fellowship and hang Um, Otherwise, we're just going to keep this atmosphere right here because God's doing some beautiful things in here. We want the Holy Spirit to keep doing some Holy Spirit surgery in our hearts. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for the sick. We'll prophesy. There's a few more minutes in here. Otherwise, God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Don't forget to give toward uh, replacing that truck for Mario so they can get up to the church plants in the mountains of Mexico. And we'll see you tomorrow at our Labor Day picnic at kid carson park it's gonna be a great day bring a neighbor bring a friend all right let's continue to
1: worship come on let's continue to worship so up the ground of